Usually we have a video. Today we don't have a video. But uh, I have so much respect for this man right here. And uh, he loves God. And he's an amazing man to serve uh, side by side with in the ministry. And uh, as he comes up, just give him a a shout of praise. Not not, not a shout of praise. You can give the praise to God. But just give him some encouragement as he comes up. Uh, Here's Anthony Tejeda, you guys. Yes, don't, don't, don't praise me, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Um, how are we doing, church? Good to see you. Um, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, uh, we're going to go to 1 Chronicles 29. And um, like Mike said, I, I'm one of the ministers here at this church at Lighthouse, and I'm, I, my wife and I, we serve in the singles ministry, and we love it dearly. We love it so dearly. But um, the topic we're going to talk about this week, uh, when I found out the topic we're going to be talking about this week, uh, it's the passport of a land of enough. Uh, this book right here, we're, we have this in the, in the lobby after service, and it's $6, and I encourage you to pick this up. We're going to be going through a five-week series. This is part one. And, and in this book, there's, there's family devotionals, there's individual devotionals when it comes to the land of enough, and I'm going to talk about part one today, and, I, and I'm super excited about that, but... Today's lesson, part one, is the perspective on giving. Is the emphasis, today's lesson is on giving, the picture of, of the people of God giving. And so when, when, when I heard I was going to do a lesson like this, uh, my mind immediately uh, thought the first time I came out to church, I, I had no idea what giving was. I was a college student, and I, was, I had two jobs, and I was just making ends meet. And uh, back then... Uh, when we gave, we gave during the middle of the week. It was called a midweek. It was during the middle of the week. And so I was at a midweek service, and um, they were passing out the trays. Uh, and the person who brought me out, he's like, hey, you don't have to give. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's mainly for our members, and so don't feel obligated to give. And I was like, no, I'll, I'll give. I don't mind giving. I'm sure it's going for a good cause. And so I reached in my wallet. Bam, I threw $40 down. I threw $40, and I don't know if it was out of pride or just, I just, I just made good money, and they're like, you sure you want to give this? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally fine. I'll, you know, go ahead, take it. I, I, I had no idea what giving was. And so the next week comes around, uh, midweek service, and they're doing the trade, and, I, and they're like, you're going to give? I'm like, whoa, like, like, you give like every week? Like, I thought that was like every year, you know? Or like every like six months. I didn't know it was like every week. And so, uh, needless to say, 18 years later, I've been giving consistently. And, and, um, but again, I had no idea what giving was. And so, needless to say, what we're going to be ta- talking about and studying about today, uh, this, from looking in the gospel and possessions and prosperities, I'm just excited to be teaching this. I'm so excited because we as a family of God, we need this. This is so important. And we, we, we can't be true Christians and ignore the biblical teachings on wealth. We can't be true Christians and ignore the biblical teachings on, on giving. And so if you're new here, um, I, I, and maybe it's your first time coming out, I, I just want to invite you to lean in. Maybe you, you had a lot of questions when you first came out, when, just like when I first came out, about giving. And so I, I just want to invite you to, uh, hopefully this at answers a lot of questions about how God looks at the people of God who give. And so the big question is, like, 
hopefully this leads us into the people of God of 2015. When, when it comes to fitting in in this world of a land of enough, where there's so much and we have, I mean, this access to so many things. And so before we start that, I just want to ask if you would join me in a word of prayer. And so let's pray. Father, we, we know that we are, are a wealthy people in this room, particularly when it comes to other people in the world and our brothers and sisters around the world. And so God, and so God we praise you for the food that's available for us today, the water that's available for us today, the, the shelter and the clothing on our back. And so, God, I ask, when it comes to our culture of materialism, that I pray that we are led by your spirit. We're led by your word to, with our hearts and our minds being one with you, God. Help us, teach us to honor you with our giving, God. And so right now, I pray that you teach us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. And so, uh, 1 Corinthians 29, you should... These were being passed out. These are fill in the blanks. Uh, these are sheets. This is for the lesson for today. And so I invite you, if you don't have it, please raise your hand. We have our guest services. They'll give you one of these. And even if you don't even have a pen, they'll give you a pen. And so we're trying to make sure you have everything set. And so First, first Chronicles 29. Literally, this, this picture I want to give you is, is, is such a beautiful picture about giving. It's David... He's at the end of his, 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 his reign. He, he's he's going to pass on. And so he, David desperately wants to build the temple of God. He, he wants to build the house of God. And so he, he starts giving all these resources and gifts so that, you know, gold, bronze, iron. And so he presents himself before the people and asks if they can give as well. And so, you know, uh, this picture in 1 Chronicles 29 is David giving gifts and the people giving gifts and they're giving like extravagant gifts massive gifts and we'll pick it up here in verse 7 it says this is the people it says the people they gave for the service of the house of god five thousand talents ten thousand derricks of gold ten thousand talents of silver eighteen thousand talents of bronze and a hundred thousand talents of iron like i mean this like talents and derricks like these are like measurements that we're not familiar with but it's believed that most estimate that what, what they were giving was 100, 190 tons of gold, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 3,750 tons of iron. I mean, th th this is literally, they're giving this millions and millions of pounds of gold, bronze, and iron on this day. Like, this, this, this was like a good offering day. This was like a good, like, Sunday right here, you know? I mean, there's millions of pounds of stuff. And so what I want us to see here is, I love this passage because I want us to see David's response with his extravagant giving. He doesn't say, look how great the people are. Look how great uh, the gifts are. He, says, he turns his face up to heaven. He says, look how great God is. And so this is on your notes. Uh, first reflection of old covenant giving. And what I mean by old covenant giving, the Old Testament people who gave. You know, old covenant people gave, giving is God-driven. It's God-centered and it's God-exalting. Look what he says in his prayers in verse 10. It says, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of the assembly 
And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. I mean, this whole picture, he's glorifying God through the people's giving. And there's a couple other truths here that I want us to see when it comes to David's prayer. First thing is, and it's in your notes here, is that God is the owner of all things, and we are his stewards. God is the owner of all things, and we are his stewards. Listen to what he says in, the, in, in these prayers. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power of the glory and the victory and the majesty. For, you, for all that is in the heaven and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honors come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hands are power and might. And in your hands is to make great and to give strength to all. Look what he says in verse 14. But who am I that my people, that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things are from you, and of your own have we given you. You guys catch that? What he's saying is, you know, everything that belongs to us is God's anyways. I mean, isn't that a reality of Scripture? God owns your house. He owns your TV. He owns your car. He owns your clothes and that, right? He owns you. God owns your wallet and everything in it. He owns your paycheck and everything in it. And so the reality is anything that we give to God, he already owns We're just stewards. Another way of saying this is that God is the giver of all things, and we are stewards. I mean, we are servants. And what that means is, because God gave it, God has authority to say what we do with it. I mean, we're not the masters of our money. We're we're servants of it, right? I mean, if, if we, as a church, we understand, hey, Jesus is control of our lives. He, he, he determines the direction of our lives. We surrender to Jesus. That's what we believe in. And certainly he, he, he determines how we spend our money. God, we're not control over our spending. God should be in control of our spending. He guides it. He leads it. He says what to do with it. He's the owner. He's the giver. We are just st- stewards. We're just servants. I mean, that's the whole picture of what David is praying here. And so the reality is that, that he's praying is he's just showing how everything just belongs to God. Giving is God-driven. It's God-centered. It's God-exalting. Second reflection I want us to see here is that the people gave out a celebration, not out of obligation. Look in verse 9. It says, then the people rejoiced because the giving, they had given willingly and with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. It continues in verse 17, it says, I know, my God, that you test the hearts and the upright of my heart. I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are, pre- who are presented here offering freely and joyously to you. He ends it in verse 22. He says, and they ate and drank before the Lord that day with great gladness, with great gladness. I mean, the picture we see here is the same picture that we see in 2 Corinthians 8, right? We just see in the Old Testament as well. God loves cheerful givers. God creates cheerful givers. God is compelled 
by cheerful givers. And, and I know that people will say, well, you know, well, the Old Testament, that's just obligatory. That's, you know, that, that, that's law-driven. Does this look like obligation to you? This is celebration. This is joyful in, in their giving. And so second reflection is God's people give out a celebration, not an obligation. Which leads to our third reflection is that our giving is always attached to our hearts. Our giving is always attached to our hearts. Look what he says in verse 9. He says, with a whole heart they had offered freely to the Lord. This language literally means that they devoted their, their hearts to the Lord. And so what I want us to see is that, is that generous giving is the overflow of a God-centered heart. A heart that, our hearts are attached to our giving. I mean, that's what Jesus says, right? And in, in, in Matthew 6, he says, for where your treasures is, there your heart will also be. Our, our heart and money are always together. And so, I mean, where our money is, that's where our heart is. That's the humbling truth. So our, our giving is always attached to our hearts. And so what I want us to see here, and it's in your notes, it is three type of old covenant, Old Testament gifts. And we don't have a lot of time to like go through every single scripture. They're on your notes, and I, I invite you to, to really study this out. But one type of, old, uh, type of old covenant gift was a tithe. A tithe was given. In Leviticus 27, it says, every tithe of the land, whether of the seed or the land or the first or the fruits of the tree is the Lord, is the Holy One to the Lord. And so a tithe, a meaning of what a tithe is, it's a tenth. It's 10%. That's what a tithe is. And so the picture we see in Leviticus here is a tithe was given, a tenth of the land was given to the Lord. And so what I want us to see is that in the Old Testament, there were different types of tithes, different types of tenth, so to speak, and so I want us to explore this. And so the first one, a tithe that was given, was, to, it was given to support the priest and the Levites. A tithe was given to support the priest and the Levites. God commanded the people to support the spiritual leaders in the community so they can fulfill the, the calling that God gave them for their lives. And so Numbers 18.21. And so that's just one type of tithe that they gave out of their income every year. Another type of tithe that they gave was a com- out of community celebration. They provided community celebration. And so th- there was this celebration among the people that would bring their tithe together, and they would celebrate together in, in the central uh, sanctuary. And it's in Deuteronomy 14.22. And so you have one tithe that they gave, 10%, to provide for the, 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 the leaders of the church of the church or the leaders at that time, the priests and Levites, and then they gave a separate tithe, another 10%, to provide for community celebration. And then on top of that, they gave a third tithe to help the poor and the needy. I mean, this is intense here. It says this, and, and this third tithe is a little bit different than the other two because this third tithe, it says at the end of every three years, so they gave it every three, uh, every three years. You shall bring out the tithe to the, to the produce. And why do you do that? It says to, to help the fatherless and the widows and who are within the town and they can come and eat and be filled. And so what I want us to, to realize is that 
in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, I mean, we're thinking, you know, oh, you know, in the Old Testament, they just gave 10%. In reality, you put all three of those tithes together, you, you get 10% that they gave to support the priests and Levites, 10% for community celebration, and then they gave basically a tithe every three years. You, you split that, that's 3%. So it comes out to a total of 23% that they gave. And this is just one type of giving that they gave. This is one type of offering. What type of gift that they gave in the Old Covenant. And so I want us to kind of break away from that thinking of like, oh, they just gave 10%. No, they actually gave 23% of their income. And that was just the, the starting point. That, that was the beginning of their giving. This, this tithe was the beginning. It was, it, it, you can say it was the floor. It wasn't the ceiling of their giving. And so in addition to that, two, two other types of old covenant gifts that they gave, so they gave a tithe, and then they also gave a first fruit offering that was given, offered the best to the Lord. It was, a first fruit offering was the top, it was the best. Leviticus 19, it says that they gave the first of their vineyards to the Lord. And in and, and, and Exodus 23, it says that they gave the best, the top of oil, wine, grain to the Lord. And then in Numbers 15, it says that they gave, you know, the, the best of their choice meal to the Lord. And so that, that's the second type of gift that they would give in the Old Testament. And then the third type was a free will offering were given to offer to access to the Lord. And that's what we see here in, in, in 1 Chronicles 29. I mean, they're just giving way above and beyond. And for us, you know, this is kind of like our, we, we do a free will offering. We do, we do a special mission contribution. We want to give above and beyond to, to help, you know, a global impact, to help special missions in the world, to, to make a difference and to spread the gospel. But I want to see here that tithe in the Old Covenant was just the floor, it was just the beginning. And it wasn't 10%, it was 23%. And on top of that, they had first fruit offerings, then they have a free will offering. And this is the picture of the Old Testament of giving, which begs the question, well, well what does that have to do with us then? Right? The people of God of 2015. I mean, we're not the old covenant of, of, of people of God. We have a, a much different picture, right? And so we're going to move on to what new covenant, what the new covenant, the new testament, which is us givers are like. Amen? You guys with me? Amen. Glad you are. Okay, Luke 11. We're going to look at Luke 11. This is a time where tithing is addressed by Jesus. And he's having a conversation with the, the religious leaders, uh, which are the Pharisees. And this is what he says. He says, woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe, there's that word, tithe, and you mint and you rue and even herbs, and you neglect justice and the love of God. These are ought you have done with neglecting the others. And so this is what basically Jesus is saying. He says, okay, you're tithing, great. Well, you ought to be doing that, but you're missing the point here. He's telling this, these religious leaders here. Because you're ignoring the needy around you. And you're not showing justice and love for God. And so you're just missing the whole point completely. When, when you look in the, in the New Testament, it, and it, 
the new, you know, the Christians, new covenant Christians, um, you see this willingness, you see this beautiful picture of just this willingness to give. I mean, you, you, you take Acts, for example, you know, Acts chapter 2, you know, Pentecost. You know, the Christians hear the message for the first time, or the people hear the message for the first time, and they trust in Peter's message, and they repent, and they, they, they get baptized. Spirit comes on Pentecost. And so what's the first picture that we see? Acts chapter 2, it says that they sell their possessions. It wasn't just they gave a tithe. They sell their possessions, their belonging, and gave anything to anybody who was needed. I mean, that's the picture. And then you see in, in Acts chapter 4 that it says that there was no needy among them, that the grace was, a, God's grace was upon them, that there was no needy person among them. I mean, you know why there was no needy people among them? There was Christians selling their houses, selling their land, selling their possessions, giving all these resources and putting them together to help the needy. And so we realize, yes, Jesus, he talks about tithe, but giving in a new covenant, it, it involves greater sacrifice than the old covenant, not less. It involves greater sacrifice, not less. You know, there's, there's this debate out there. If you read, like, Christian forums and you read, like, blogs and about giving and the new covenant and the old covenant and tithe and all this stuff and there's people who say oh you know you need to throw out tithe because that's the law and you know you know in acts chapter four we're 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 grace givers now we're grace givers i mean that's like the common discussion that's out there you know we're grace givers and we need to disregard the law the the problem is if we say hey we're grace givers the problem is there's an article i want us to see right here it says, what would happen if the church tithe? How giving 10% could change the world. And it says here, right here, it says, 5% of the U.S. tithe, which is 80% of Americans, can only, only give 2% of their income. It says, Christians are only giving 2.5%. It says, Christians are only giving 2.5%. The, the average Christian, North American Christian. It says, numbers like this invoke a lot of, numbers like this can invoke a lot of guilt which really isn't the point. The large point is what would happen if believers to increase their giving to a minimum, let's say 10%. It says there would be an additional 165 billion for churches to use and distribute. The global impact would be phenomenal. It says 25 billion can relieve global hunger, starvation, death, and preventable diseases in five years. It says 12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. 15 billion can solve the world's water and sanitation issue. And so the problem is, it says the average North American Christian gives 2.5% of their income to the church. And I hope, I, I hope that's not us, our faith family. I hope that we give much more than that. But, but I, I, I think, I, you know, the problem is, if we're talking about grace giving, and you, you look at people of the law who are under the law, and because we have grace, Jesus died for us. It says that he, 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 he who was rich became poor on our behalf. He went on a road to die on a cross for us. And, and you look at the law, shouldn't we give more than the law? 
of what we have if we, if we, if we are saved by grace of Jesus? If we're not, then we're just missing the whole point. Which leads to my conclusion number two is, is that tithing, I, 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 indeed, I believe tithing is a helpful guideline for giving under a new covenant, but it's not a legalistic mandate. And I just want to put this on the table. It's not a legalistic mandate. It's not a pa- I'm not a pastor up here saying, hey, church, I need your money. It's about, hey, what are we giving to God? How we are investing in, and when seeing what God gives to us. And it's just a pastor saying, hey, I just think we, tithing is a helpful guideline for us. It helps us. It teaches us. And my encouragement is just from seeing what we, through redemptive history that we have, what Jesus has done for us. What I simply want to do is I just want us to see where we stand in the land of enough, in the land of plenty. You know, I was talking, I was talking to my wife and we were just talking like, man, we have like so much junk in our, in our garage. We got so much stuff. We have, I mean, in our closet, and we're like, man, what are we doing? We have so much. And so I just want us to consider how we, we can honor God with our giving. And let our tithe be the floor and realize that it, it, there's no ceiling on giving. To be finished and done and say to a church, you know, I'm going to work my way up to 10%, you don't work your way up to the starting point. You start at the starting point, and then you work your way up from there. Not out of obligation, but a celebration of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I mean, a God-centered heart produces generous hands. I mean, we see that all throughout the Scriptures. Amen? It's getting a little hot up here. It's the spirit. It really is. And, and the reason I, I think tithing is a helpful for new covenant givers, the reason I think it's a helpful for us is because, you know, tithing honors a biblical principle. It honors a biblical principle. I mean, clearly, the, the, the Old Testament describes this. We see this pattern from the Old Testament to the New Testament and, and how it provided for God's people. And we see even how it provides for the leaders and helps for the poor and the needy. The Old Testament describes it. And also, it also Jesus endorsed it. He said, this is what you ought to be doing. He certainly endorses it. And so, you know, tithing is helpful because it honors a biblical principle. And Jesus, the Old Testament describes it and Jesus describes it. And if, if I can even take it a little further, it is that Throughout Christian history, Christian history illustrates this. I mean, Christians have been practicing this. It was normal. It was wise to, as the first century Christians to be giving. So here's the deal. If, if throughout generations, you know, you see throughout the whole old covenant, the people of God were giving to help their spiritual lives, Jesus endorses it. And then the first century, they, they practice it. Then I, I think we got to be careful that, that how we view giving and see how it, this honors a biblical principle, the way that we give to God. Second, 
I think it's helpful because tithing reinforces that, the truth that God's the owner and we are the stewards. I mean, we see it, you know, through the giving that, you know, what God does with tithe. He's teaching and training that he's the owner and we're just stewards. I mean, don't, don't we need that? Don't we need to be reminded that our paycheck, no matter how big or how small it is, to discipline us, to remind us that it's not my own. This is God's. The Lord owns this. I'm just a steward of this. And the third reason it's helpful for us that tithing helps us in the constant battle with greed and materialism in our hearts. We know that we are among the most wealthiest people in this entire world. I hope you guys know that. We're, we're like the top tier of wealth. We've been given so much. We, we have access to so much. And we have scriptures that warn us about the dangers of wealth. There's scriptures that point us and tell us that, that it's difficult even for someone of wealth to become a Christian. Not impossible, but just to become a Christian. I mean, first, first Timothy, Paul says, he says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into the snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I mean, this is a desire just to be rich. And he says later on in the chapter, this is what he says. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always be ready to share with others. I hope we don't miss this, you guys. Giving is the antidote to materialism. The antidote to materialism in, in our culture is giving. And so the picture of tithe, it, is, it, it should guide us for our tendencies when it comes to money and possessions for our hearts. Tithing should guide us, it should lead us. And I know there's different, different economic levels in this room, and I know there's different economic struggles in this room. I don't want to be blinded to that, and, I, and I'm not blinded to that. But the reality is, there's this picture we see all throughout history that we just fall in line. And we whom the people of God have learned in such a way to see the people who have gone before us that we should be giving intentionally, we should be giving consistently, that we should be giving extravagantly to honor God. I mean, we, we need to be careful to throw out all that's been, that has gone before us and come up with all these excuses why we can give less in our days than what they gave in their days. Because we've been given so much. We've been given so much wealth, so much access. We've been given so much grace. Which leads to kind of the whole end of this. Three prayers of new covenant givers. Three prayers as us, as the first century, or as us, as a church, as givers. Which brings us all the way back to, to 1 Chronicles 29. Really, Second Chronicles, uh, actually, Second Chronicles chapter 1. And so David, he has this picture here, and, and before he, he passes on, he prays to God. And First Chronicles 29, 18 and 19, he, he, just, 
He's just, for the people's giving and their hearts don't change. And that his son Solomon would, would have the same hearts. And then you jump into to 2 Chronicles 1. And Solomon, his reign, it shows what happens with his leadership. And, and, and so Solomon takes over. And this is kind of the picture I want to show you guys. This is what I want to set before you as prayers uh, for, my, for my own personal life, for my family, and for us as a church when it comes to giving. The first prayer is this. God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. What it says in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom. And the Lord, his God, was with him and made him exceedingly great. And what happens is he's in the presence of God in this tent of meeting. And, and it says in verse 6, And Solomon went up to the, to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was the tent of the meeting. And he offered a thousand burnt, burnt offerings to it. And so the first picture of Solomon's reign was of worship. A thousand burnt offerings. That's, I don't know how much that is. That's a lot of burnt offerings right there. But the first picture we see Solomon say, saying is, my heart belongs to you, God. Give us a heart that's enthralled with your worship. And that's where it starts. This should be the starting point for us. People for, our hearts in this room to be enthralled by the glory and the worship of our God. And second, God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. And second, God, give us minds that are filled with your wisdom. It goes on, you know, he offers these thousand burnt offerings to the Lord, and God appears before Solomon. And this is what Solomon says to God. He says, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before these people, for you have governed these people of yours, which is so great. And I love this. Look at how, how God answers Solomon. He says, because this was your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and I don't even ask for long life, but you've asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. This is our need, you guys. Hearts are enthralled with your worship, Lord, and minds that are filled with your wisdom, God. We, we know that we are filled in a culture that is filled with worldly wisdom, particularly when it comes to our wealth, particularly when it comes to our, our money. And we need the discernment of God to help us with our wisdom to how to handle our money. We need God wisdom. It goes on, and, and Solomon he, 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 you know, God gives him so much. It says he gives him possessions and honors and, and, and riches. And it says that his, the money that he had was the gold and silver was as common as stones. And so I just want to you know, say, you know, God, give us a heart enthralled with your worship. Give us minds that are filled with your, your wisdom. But also, God, give us hands that are generous with your wealth. Give us hands that are generous with your wealth. God, our wealth belongs to you. So I want to end it with this, you know. A, a proper use of wealth is grounded by God-given wisdom. 
and God-centered worship. I'm going to say this again. A proper use of wealth. A proper use of wealth is grounded by God-given wisdom and God-centered worship. Because what happened to Solomon's life, he lost sight of God-centered worship, and he turned away from the Lord, and, and then he, which led him through squandering abuse and, and misuse of the, the wealth that was entrusted to him. And it all started with his worship. And this is what we see all through the Old Testament again and again. We need new hearts. We need hearts that are captivated and conquered by our Lord Jesus who went on a cross and died for us. And we need to beg God, God, give us wisdom on what we do with our jobs, with our businesses, and with our family. Help us, God. Give us wisdom. Give us a generous heart to proclaim your glory, not ours. God-centered worship leads to God-centered given wisdom, which leads to generous hands. And I, I pray, I just pray that the wealth that God has entrusted with us, you know, the, the wisdom that he has promised us, that we use it to make his kingdom known, to make his worship known. And so I just want to end it with this. There's three prayers that I want to challenge us as a church. God, give us hearts that are enthralled with your worship. Give us minds that are filled with your wisdom. And give us hands that are generous with your wealth. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are nothing without you. Our wealth is nothing without you, God. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for every life that we have or every wealth that we have. We've been given so much, God, and I pray that we're generous in what you give us, God. And so I thank you. Please help us to be led by you and your spirit. Help us to be guided by wisdom through you and help us to be generous with the wealth that you provided for us. In your son's name I pray, amen. 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 And so again, I just want to encourage you, you know, this book, there's, there's so much great material in this. It's only $6. It's at the table. And um, please pick this up. But other than that, you guys have a great Sunday, and uh, thank you. <laughs>